Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with him. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, Jesus is really ramping up the (laughs) expectations here. Uh, Joined uh, by the great Jackson Randall, the Sandy Springs sledgehammer himself. (laughs) And uh, we were really getting into some of the more, I mean, we kind of have been in, like really all of the Sermon on the Mount is like hallmark teachings of Jesus. Absolutely. But we're getting into like especially famous ones like love your enemies and whatnot. And uh, man, these words are so simultaneously like beautiful. And it's like, who wouldn't love, you know, this sound of like, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. But then at the same time, who actually wants to hear, like, if someone takes your tunic, give him your cloak as well. You know, like the, the standards and expectations are so high and it really rubs up against our, you know, DNA as, as like good sons of the tea party, like Americans who, you know, taxation without representation <laughs> is like in our blood. And yep. so, uh, Jackson, what do you make of this, this moment on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus is going in this discourse? Yeah. You know, I think we can be a sort of people who are so concerned with our personal freedoms that we can sometimes just absolutely miss the radical nature of what Jesus is saying to us. I mean, his kingdom is truly an upside down kingdom. And so naturally, no matter how good we think we are, no matter how like nice our parents were, no matter how much we were taught not to like, you know, be mean to others naturally in our flesh, this is not what is going to characterize us. Like in order to live in this kingdom, we're going to have to do so as those who submit to Jesus as Lord and mm-hmm. live in him and by him in faith. And, um, you know, it reminds me, I had this relationship with a guy, you know, many years ago at this point, and I'm not going to give a whole lot of details so that might frustrate you, but, mm-hmm. um, just want to keep it, keep it a little general. But, uh, this guy, I loved him dearly, but he was difficult and, mm-hmm. and he made my life difficult. And, um, you know, he, he often didn't make good on his word. Uh, he would kind of put me in frustrating and uh, difficult uh, situations just regularly by 
how he lived his life. And, and I just bore with him yeah. and, and I really tried to be patient with him. I really tried to love him as best as I could through what I perceived to be a difficult time of life for him. And, um, and, and it felt like I was honoring the Lord in this. And I felt really gracious or really grateful to have an opportunity to suffer in a sense so that my brother could be built up. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I felt really good about that. Well, that then sort of culminated with, uh, him eventually kind of turning on me a little bit and him going and saying some really unkind things about me to, to some people. And, and I remember just thinking, how dare this guy? You're talking about Barrett, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Barrett. Yeah. Um, So frustrating. (laughs) You know, he just, he just got away. No, Um, absolutely. Absolutely. But but it was one of those things where I was like, I bore with you. I, like I've had a difficult go of things because of you (laughs) and, and I've been gracious with you and I've been long suffering with you and I've given you what you don't deserve over and over and over again. And you're going to turn around and just trash me like this. And Mm. from deep within me came this, this desire to be vindicated Mm. and to be able to just come in and say, look, let me tell you the truth of the situation. Let me really crush this guy now. Yeah. And, um, and I was so grateful. I had some folks in my life who, were able to give me counsel and even point me to passages like this that reminded me that there's something right about uh, not reacting in those moments and fighting for my name's sake, but being sort of stubbornly committed to living for the cause of Christ and for his glory and for his yeah. renown. And so it gave me a moment to kind of like, you know, you know, take a breath remember the things that the Lord had said and ultimately go back to him and, and continue to, to give grace and, you know, to confront him on it, but in a loving, I think mm. more measured way where, uh, you know, I, I think good came and, and the long story short was, and I know I'm being general here, but long story short, reconciled relationship, good things came from it. Yeah. But I thought about that a lot, how I had a chance to just really make things worse. And I've wondered what the consequences would have been, but God was gracious and, uh, and allowed me to just, um, I, I think hopefully embrace something of this passage. And the reason I share this is because everything inside of me wanted to vindicate myself. Everything inside of me wanted to, uh, you know, make sure people knew how patient I had been, how long suffering I had been. I wanted to turn around and slap this guy on his cheek as he slapped me on my cheek. Um, and And yet, that is not the ethic of the kingdom. That is not the way that Christ lived. Mm-hmm. He called us to follow him in being one who was willing to lay his life down, not merely for his friends, but for his enemies as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the the irony of the gospel is not that Jesus uh, just died for his friends, but it was while we were enemies of God mm-hmm. that he pursued us into death. Yeah. And um. Yeah, and, and so um, yeah, you know, every once in a while we can maybe drum up this sense that like, hey, I, I can, I can live this Christian life if it means like suffering for the people who are closest and dearest to me, or I can live this Christian life if it means that I have to be patient with the people who are closest and dearest to me. But the the life that we're called to in Christ is not one uh, of convenience. It's not one that's called. That's not one we're called to just like live the good life. In mm-hmm. this life, if that means you know health, wealth, riches, convenience, it's like no, we're going to suffer for the for the cause of Christ, even uh, to the point of 
having people think poorly of us or slapping us on the cheek, whatever, whether that be literally or proverbially or metaphorically. Um, and, and what do we do? We in turn love them, uh, our neighbor and our enemy in the way that Christ loved us. Mm. So. Amen. That's a great word. I'm glad you and Barrett are back on good, <laughs> good standing. Love That's a great guy. <laughs> Anyways. Um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning uh, as kind of like looking at these passages and getting ready. And um, then uh, I really have been thinking about it since teaching meeting um, this week where we were sort of talking about some of this stuff. But a, a word that I'm really tired of, a phrase that I'm really tired of the way that it's used is fundamentalist Christianity. Mm, yeah. Um, or like a Christian fundamentalist. Um, you know, because when that's used inside the church and in like political or social settings, you know, what people are really referring to is like the purity movement of yeah. the eighties and nineties or, you know, kind of fear mongering, like youth group cry night, whatever, yeah. or nationalism, like Christian nationalism, politics, or just a general sense of like rudeness and kind of like yeah. this like rude Christian Judeo bubble. Yeah. And the reason that I'm, I'm tired of that being called Christian like fundamentalism is because if you actually think about like that word, the fundamentals, like what are, what are the fundamentals of a belief system? You know, if, if you trace, we, we were talking about a fundamentalist secularism in a teaching meeting on Monday yeah, and, and kind of how there's like this weird uh, belief system that's emerging, which is fundamentalist secularism which is where you begin to see the breakdown of kind of these postmodern ideas that we have. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there, there's like fundamentalists like Islam and, and uh, all, every religion kind of has their thing. But if you trace like Christian doctrine down to who is like the fundamental figure at the head of it, yeah. AKA Christ. And then what are the fundamental teachings? Here we are. Love your enemies. Yeah. Pray for those who persecute you. Right. Yeah. What is true religion? Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I have spent so much of my life like running from this identity of like the, the fundamentalist Christian faith because like being in the South, it's like, I don't want to be tied to that. But it's like, actually, no, what, what we're all like running from is this blip on the radar of history, which is, you know, yet another failing of people to actually enact fundamental Christianity, which is loving enemies, praying for people who persecute you. It's this just self-abandoning generosity of being willing to be taken advantage of, uh, which is not something that we like to, to imagine. Yep. But it's for Christ's sake, you know, as Dee's preached a few months ago, for Christ's sake, being, being willing to totally abandon yourself, your pride, your ego, your entitlements, for the sake of displaying the heart of Jesus, the, the fundamental nature of who Jesus is, yeah. which is someone who emptied himself, didn't consider his equality with God something to be held on to, yeah. as Philippians 2 says, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave. Yeah, it's so good. For our sake. And yeah. like that is just a beautiful, beautiful character and, and a beautiful heart to aspire towards, to grow up into. And, uh, you know, this This is like, I, I love, you took us right to the gospel. Like this idea of loving your enemies is not just like a nice add-on ethic. Yeah. 
that Jesus, like while he's accomplishing the will of the father, he sprinkles this in as like an additional teaching, but it's like the heart of the mission. Yeah. It's people who considered him cursed by God, considered him, you know, a heretic, considered him an absolute enemy. He died for them. He died for us as enemies to bring us peace. And so Jesus, like, this is the heart of his mission. Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's funny. I, I wasn't at that um, that teaching meeting, or at least at that point, but I, I too get really annoyed with the whole fundamentalism thing. And part of the reason why is is purely, um, you know, personal. And that's because the school I went to, Biola University, that's where I got my master's at Talbot School of Theology. Um, uh, Biola was instrumental in the development of the fundamentals. Yeah. And the fundamentals is what often kind of becomes the like source of what we often refer to as fundamentalism today. But the fundamentals were these, these essays that Christians wrote that I, because of the way I was raised, assumed were like fundy talk, you know, and yeah. like just going to be like super legalistic, super moralistic, super like hardline kind of stuff. But really what the, the, the purpose of the fundamental enterprise was, was to get to what is the fundamental, what are the fundamentals of Christianity? Yeah. So the essays were things like the virgin birth of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, the deity of Christ, um, the inspiration of the Bible. Like, I mean, it's really like basic Christian yeah. doctrine. And it was really this like attempt to push back against uh, the, the periphery sort of stuff or the like, high academic way of viewing the Bible that just puts all of the ethics of the Bible in these um, places of make-belief and like, well, we're just trying to think high and lofty thoughts about God. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how history ends up unfolding. Now, I don't think every single one of those essays is like perfect, but sure. I think generally speaking, they're pretty good. Um, and, and yeah, I think you're right on. We we, we have the heart of God being revealed in passages like this. And who do we see fundamentally? We see a God who is gracious and just, mm -hmm. a God who loves profoundly, is abounding in steadfast love. And, um, and all of this would lead him to, uh, to love us to the point uh, of extreme self-sacrifice mm -hmm. so that by his wounds, we could be healed because yeah. Jesus himself was crushed. We could have life and everlasting peace. Yeah. Amen. It, it and, and he lands it with, you know, just like this staggering instruction. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And, you know, the, the beauty of this as Jesus is really exegeting and unpacking the law of Moses and pointing to here, the, the heart of the law is that you must be perfect, righteous, just, and blameless as your heavenly father is. It drives us straight to the cross. You know, like as we read through the Sermon on the Mount, as we read through these laws and these instructions, um, it, it points us in that direction. But, you know, I, I think anyone who's not delusional would say, I could never accomplish this. I could never fulfill this. Yeah. And it's where it's just so good to go back to Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, a great word. We're moving into chapter six tomorrow where we got um, some more absolutely just uh, stunning teachings from Jesus. So we'll see you then for the great Jackson Randall. 
the sledgehammer of Sandy Springs. This is Will Carlisle, and we will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.